Hello and welcome to episode two of Talk of the Town, a vlog series that explores the minds of purpose-driven entrepreneurs. I'm really excited to be sitting here today with Alfred, uh, who is the uh, co-founder of Foresight, a tech startup company uh, that has created the first ever production smart helmet. Alfred, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having me on Talk of the Town. Yeah. Um, I, I think we, we actually go way back. We're, we went to high school together yeah. and we've recently reconnected. So um, it, it's really good to be able to see, I guess, Alfred's journey up until this point uh, and, and talk through some of the progression today. First and foremost, are you able to share with the viewers a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, so my name's Alfred Boyages. Uh, I started uh, Foresight back in 2013 when I had a uh, motorcycle accident, I went around the corner, went through an oil slick, injured my kneecap in three different places, and wanted to create a technology that could see things before it happens. Six years later, after a, a lot of different types of products that kind of failed at market, we had this great success, which is the Foresight Mark I product. So this helmet has an integrated camera system just at the front here. So as soon as you put it on your head, it'll be able to record video for insurance purposes. It's got an audio system inside, so you can take phone calls and use Siri and Alexa. But most importantly, it has this special uh, light array system that just sits below your periphery vision. I think it'll, it'll light up. It is, you can yeah. see that. Um, and this will tell you through our mobile app if there's police in the area, um, speed cameras, reported hazards from other riders, and navigation, all in the one um, system. Yeah, so it's got the audio built in. I tried it on a couple of weeks ago, so it kind of just it communicates to you while while you're riding. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a demo after this for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah awesome. No, it's awesome. So um, as you can see, it's pretty slick. We're uh, uh, really excited to unpack a little bit more about you. So obviously, this is this is the product of of your mindset and, and obviously the business evolving over over time. I wanted to, to kick things off before we get into the background and your journey. Right. I wanted to ask you a yes or no question. Yeah. Um, did you did you see yourself in this position at this time of your life when you left school? Say, <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't think. Right. Like um, so, after after high school, I enrolled in industrial design at, uh, at UNSW. Yeah. Um, you know, like being a sort of eager uh, design student, I wanted to be a car designer. That was like my my big dream, even yeah. though it was like a bit crazy at the time. Um, I went through design school and started riding motorbikes while I was at while I was at uni, and I was like, actually, these are cooler than cars. So I'm not really thinking other ways. This is um, pre pre accident. Yeah, this is pre accident. Yeah, pre accident. So you had you obviously had a, you were very much interested yeah. in, in motorcycles prior. Yeah. Yeah, and then for my uh, final year university project, ironically, I built a um, a smart helmet for uh, motorcycle police, which kind of went the opposite direction yeah, yeah, <laughs> after yeah. designing it for the customer. There are many police that, that have and bought our product too, so yeah. you know it's really cool in that sense. And you know that's where it kind of like foresight first started yeah. like, in, in my brain. Yeah. Um, but didn't actually fully become like a real company until I had that accident. So yeah. after I graduated uni, that product won Silver James Dyson Award and it ended up landing me a really cool job um, at a design consultancy here in Sydney. Right. Um, then I went on to work in structural engineering and then eventually for a um, a like sort of venture capital IP firm that turned um, patents into wearable technology and I started to learn more and more about that. Um, then after that, I decided with a friend of mine, our co-founder Jay, um, that we were going to start our own wearable tech sort of consulting right. gig. Um, we did that for a couple of years. Uh, then I had the motorcycle accident and wanted to create Foresight like, properly with him. Yeah. And that was kind of like that moment that I was like, let's do this, let's have a go. Before, right. Yeah, so yes. that, 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 that's awesome. So with that, you, you, your background is, is in 
all of this, all of this crazy stuff. So it just goes to show you said that you didn't see yourself in this position when you when you left school or at that time of your life. So I think the key takeaway for the viewers is you could have one one path that you think you're going to be on. Things shift, change, evolve over time, and you might end up in a position that's completely different to where you yeah where like, thought you were going to be. When we were doing this wearable tech stuff, like our first product was a snow sports product. Um, we did a product for the NFL over in the US, yeah. um, but we also OEM some technology um, to, to helmet brands as well. Yeah. And we realized when we were talking to, to large helmet brands um, overseas that they lacked sort of the, the vision and the tech side to actually like execute on like a product like this, and that's what we were going to bring to the table. Yeah. But these companies are so big and you know it's hard to get stuff um, sort of ticked off by directors. So we thought, you know, why not like let's have a go at doing this ourselves, like very, very naively. Yeah. Um, up until then, you know, Jane and myself were very much like worked in corporate. We weren't, you know, looking to build our own business. It just kind of like fell. We fell into doing it. Well, yeah, right? you're, so, you're essentially solving a problem, which I guess is a big tagline <laughs> when people are yeah. thinking about starting up their own business. It's you know what problem problem are you, are you trying to solve? And you obviously had some experience with the accident and and, and it, wasn't, with you. it wasn't actually until um, about two and a half, three years ago that we actually put pen to paper on a motorcycle product. Uh, and when we first started the business, we created a Facebook group and we allowed anyone that um, was interested in motorcycling or motorcycling tech to join the group. Yeah. That grew to 8,000 people wow. uh, in the first year. I think it's around, sitting around the same a little bit more now. Yeah. Um, and they essentially helped us design this product. Like we're showing them different cameras, different padding, different materials. Like they were telling us like what they wanted. Yeah. And the combination of all of that was at the end of uh, 2019, we did a thing called Test Fest. Yeah. Uh, we rented out a racetrack um, over at Ludenham. Um, and when we launched the product at midnight the night before, um, we sold, <laughs> they were selling so fast the service crashed. Um, we had 700 sold by midday the next day of the first year. We were only Crazy. 1,000. Crazy. Um, you know, I was at the racetrack trying to figure out what a, what a test fest was and all these people lining up to buy the product and Stripe wasn't working and all this other stuff. And, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was chaos. It was like a, a band doing a tour all around, all around the country. Amazing. Uh, and then at the end of all of that, we kind of like wiped our hands and were like, holy shit, you know, we did this. People wanted this. They bought it. We made money. Well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> it, it's obvious, yeah, it, it, gained, it gained such momentum in, in obviously such a short period of time. And you, you've obviously started to, to explore to unpack how the, the company came about and some of the, I guess, the milestones that you achieved throughout that period. Take me back to the start of Foresight again. We were talking uh, the other week and you said, this, I found this really interesting. Um, you, you actually had the idea and you, you went out and you actually pitched it or, or you, you, you kind of delivered the, the message, the idea to, to a number of different companies. Mm -hmm. I'd be keen to hear about what their response was to you before you obviously had decided to then go and do something on your own. Like, yeah. It's amazing to me that such a great idea could be viewed upon as something that someone doesn't want to do. Yeah, look, a, a, big, a big issue with this type of particular technology is it's seen as you know very niche. Yeah. Motorcycling is not everyone in the world, it's a small marketplace. Um, talking to VC Australia and in Silicon Valley, it's really hard just to even get a foot on the door with the word motorcycle yeah. like in there. So it's just, really, it's just automatically it's just, risky. It's like no, yeah. like we're not, not going to invest in it, right? Yeah. Even though like we have really good market penetration and it's a really profitable business, and we're not just about motorbike companies, which is something um, we had to kind of bring to the table to get uh, interested in investment. Yeah. Um, but uh, we are first and foremost a technology company, and when I started pitching it 
that way. That's where it all started open. That's where I started to sit down and have conversations about, you know, where does this technology go from here? Does it go into motorbikes? Does it go into cars? Does it go into defense? And the answer is yes, it could do all of those things. Yeah. Um, and that's when we started you know, raising capital and moving forward faster. Yeah. Um, also, sales helps a lot too. Yeah, you know? of course. Yeah. Do you, you, you take a leading role in the R&D side of things, right? Yep, uh, so I'm the director in R&D here. Yeah. Uh, and also the CEO. But yeah. I have a team of brilliant engineers that, that put the product together with, with me and with everyone else. Um, yes. Together. So talk us through that, that uh, like, I guess the initial R&D approach. Obviously, you had your, your group and you had, you had customer or future customer input at that particular point in time. What, what else kind of input it into the process? Because I think that would be fascinating just to kind of unpack. Well, technology at the time like really um, gave emphasis to what the product would actually do. Yeah. So um, during the development of this product, um, self-driving vehicles started to boom. So advanced driver assistance system technology, so advanced camera systems, uh, mapping systems, data systems, all started to become more readily available. Yeah. Um, so when that started to evolve, the technology that we were building for this product and for other products which we were working on became a lot easier for us to put into the R&D pipeline. Right. So it was kind of like a right place, right time type of thing. Uh, wearable technology was getting better, was getting smaller, everyone has a Fitbit or an Apple Watch as well. So it was kind of like the perfect storm, but it didn't really sort of take off until COVID hit. And I think the, the reason for that, and a lot of other businesses will realize this, is um, everyone started buying online. So we went from talking to distributors to 100% customer base, all online, we're talking to everyone, direct lines of uh, conversation with the customer, owning the customer became so much easier. Um, and that really changed our business for, for like the better. For the better. Yeah, for the better. And the worst. There, there's some bad. Well, there's, there's, I, mean, some I actually had a question, I actually had a question for, for a little bit later on, uh, but I'll ask it now. Um, I'm assuming that COVID and you know the last couple of years presented itself a number of different challenges. Before you got a handle on, on what COVID could actually do for yeah, your business yeah. in, in a positive way, was there a time where you really felt, you know, down and out, like you were down in the dumps and you potentially were a bit hazy on the way forward and, and how you yeah, got yourself out of it. Absolutely, like uh, at the sort of, let's say three or four months into last year, so we've been around like March, April yeah. uh, time frame, we've just sold all of these these helmets. Um, we were promising delivery, you know, pretty much when, when like a couple of months after the delivery which was naive to begin with anyway. But um, all of the supply lines seized up we couldn't go and visit factories. No one knew when components were, were landing. Yeah. Every day the supplier would tell me next month, next month, next month. And I go to the customer, in three months time, in three months time, <laughs> right? Uh, but when three months came around, still nothing to be landed or shipped here. So I guess in that time we were like, well, what do we do? Like, we obviously need um, capital to keep the business alive and keep everyone employed while we're waiting for more stock. Yeah. Um, you know, and how do we how do we make money? Like, and I was on the government websites looking at hand sanitizer and all that. Kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. just like, well, like, 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 yeah, I was like, well, we're not going to do that. We're just going to keep focusing on the product. But um, uh, we ended up doing some some investment rounds during during COVID, yeah. um, which hurt our value. And like a lot of companies went through that same thing. Yeah. So outside on the sort of the end of COVID, where everything started. You know, arriving on shore, sales start coming up again. Like in this last month, we've made more traction happen than the entire year of yeah. last year. Yeah. It's kind of dying down now. Oh, especially in Australia. I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but um, definitely uh, in Australia. And 
you know, I lost a, a fair chunk of uh, of my business, so Jay, yeah. uh, during during COVID, yeah, and we didn't know what what was going to happen. How, how, <laughs> so, how did you feel? Right, I, I guess um, viewers might be interested in um, you. You're, you're obviously, you've obviously got a way of pulling yourself out of it, and you put in a number of different measures and actions to kind of make sure the business kept on track, but. Talk me through some of the stuff you were feeling at the time when you were pretty much down at dumps and when you had to manage customer expectations and you know at that point where you're like crap, I don't know if we're gonna be able to make it through or not. I was just it's like a huge amount of like frustration and this feeling that you're being dishonest to your customer. Yeah. But you like you just don't know. I don't know the answer to the question. And I'm trying to put contingencies around it. Like if someone says one, I say three, right? Like just to try to do it. And when you know, you feel so stupid when you get to that time and then it's like, oh, it's not happening still. Yeah. And then I have to communicate to the customer and then the customers are getting really frustrated. It's like an angry mob, right? But, you know, I don't, I don't know how I kept um, that many customers intrigued in the brand for a whole year while they waited. And I'm so thankful that they waited because well, uh, I think, yeah. you know, the product is really... What's your, what's your waiting list at the moment? Uh, waiting list now for Australia is 10,000. 10,000? Just, 10, just 10, in Australia, that's, just that's in Australia. yeah, for the product. Um, once we start moving it overseas, it's going to be a massive amount. Yeah. It's just whether or not we can deliver that stock, that stock level in a timely way to make revenue, that's the big, the big question for me now. Logistics is yes, always going to be... the hard bit, yeah. So long as we're in a pandemic, yeah, the, the logistics side of things might continue to be a challenge, but I mean, You've obviously got demand and you've shown a shitload of resistance throughout the whole, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, like, like right now, even though there's no pandemic really uh, affecting the supply lines as much anymore, now there's a trade war against China and the US and American componentry. Yeah. So it's like, please, just give me a break here. Like, <laughs> you guys stop fighting. I feel, just, like, I feel like there's always going to be something. Yeah, there's always something. Right? I feel like there's always going to be something. Now, now that we've spoken about a bit of how you, like how you felt and how you dealt mm. with that situation, I wanted to do a bit of an exercise a bit of a comparison, a mindset comparison, because this vlog series is all about exploring the minds of people like you. So I'd like to do a comparison of your mindset, say in 2016, when the business was essentially in its early stages or, or you just had an idea, um, to 2021. Uh, let's not talk about the in-between part now. I, I just want to dissect how you, how you approach things from a mindset perspective in each one of those years. Uh, if we can start off with 2016, can you basically describe your mindset as a business person or just as a normal person, just a bit of both, that would be great. Uh, I guess back then being kind of green in, in, in my own business, very much like most of my knowledge is from uh, engineering at the time, right? Yeah. So um, to put a product out into the marketplace, wanted to make it perfect for the customer, um, you know, try to do as much as I humanly can before showing someone. Yeah. The difference kind of, now is it's like let's do as little as we can get that out absolutely let them shred us to pieces fix it all and then go, and, and then kind of go back but it's in, in manageable stages got it and it's like that that courage to just push something out into a marketplace and see what happens um really defined like our company and allowed us to move faster why why do you, why do you think you didn't have that at the start because i think it's like just working in, in corporate like uh sort of environments where you you have to tick off each milestone, go to your project manager, come back, it goes up and down the chain of command. Um, you tend to spend more time on finessing things. Yeah. Whereas when you're in a startup, you have way less money, you have to move 10 times as fast. Yeah. And everyone is wearing three or four different hats. And if the weakest link of the business um, you know, is in sales and marketing, the whole team is going to feel it. 
right? And if they don't have a product to sell, then we're going to feel it because we're not making revenue. I feel it. I, mean, so, I, I work for a startup at the moment yeah. in sales. So, you know, you, you really do understand the impact that you have across, across the organization. If, if I don't bring the sale, then no one's going to be able to deliver anything and, and that's what people are employed for in, in some parts of the business. So I guess it's kind of reminiscent of what you're saying now. Is that is that kind of what you're... What yeah, you're yeah, it's, it's just like a, a, you know, your your courage to... Like once you've done that a few times, yeah. you realise that it's actually not that bad. Yeah. Like you think it's going to be the end of the world. Like back in 2016, if I said like I was going to launch 40 beta units that barely even work to try to sell them to thousands of customers, I'd have a heart attack. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? Like it's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. But but me back like a year ago, it was like we have to do this. Like you know, I can't spend the rest of my life, and the team can't spend the rest of their lives not knowing what's going to happen. We have to know. Right. Right. If yeah. you take that leap of faith. Yeah. Um, and you know, most of the time it doesn't work. Right. But. It's how you fail fast, right? Fail yeah, fast, fail often, but um, it's in the managing those failures to be sort of uh, repairable and recoverable quickly yeah. is, is really important. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. So I mean, what's the what was that moment where you maybe do you have a specific example or a time in mind where like this is kind of drawing a link between twenty sixteen and twenty twenty one. Do you have a specific example in mind where that penny dropped and then you just built up that yeah, courage to do it? It was the it was the test fest uh, thing. Okay, we had yeah. all these customers banging on the door, going, "I want to see it, just do it." And like, it's not perfect, dude. What are we gonna do? And then you know, our, our CTO was like, "This doesn't work. This doesn't work. Nothing works." This. I'm like, Joe, we're doing this. Yeah. Tomorrow. So we just chucked them all out there and you know people were really supportive and we told them it was a prototype and you know they, they gave us a hell of a lot of feedback and it made the product what it is today. So yeah. that and that, that sort of mentality and thinking carried through through our business. Like um, we go through this sort of MVP, I'm sure you sort of put an MVP yeah. stage, yeah. get that out there, get the feedback and then roll on to R and D. Yeah. So so I mean what is that? Talking about MVP and all of that stuff, it just triggers a, it just triggered a question in my mind around, you know, what's I know things are different day to day. No day is ever the same. I think in a lot of professions, and maybe that's the case for you too. But what does if you're able to describe your day to day? Because I think viewers again would like to get an insight into what you do day to day. Obviously, you you know you're the head of a of a, of a like innovative tech startup company. What, what does a day-to-day look like for you when you actually bring it down to the granular levels? I think it, it really, it's looking at the, the business as a whole yeah. and what's going to get the business one small increment more than what it is yeah. and looking at all the tasks of what every engineer is doing, what all the salespeople are doing and seeing if they're actually like valuable tasks that um, the company is going to use to either rate what's its next goal. Is it raising capital? Yeah. Is it um, surviving the next four months? Is it making another $10 million in revenue? Is it all of these things? Yeah. And you'll find that once you understand what the goal of the, of the business is, you can better direct like each part of the business um, to move towards that goal incrementally. Right. Right? Like um, I think a lot of businesses and especially startups set these, these huge, big, hairy goals, which is super important for the vision. Yeah. But it's super overwhelming to how do we break that into a day-to-day um, yeah, manage, manage, yeah, manageable right. bite size. So, manageable do you guys, do you guys right. have like a bit of a? Oh, it's the buzzword in corporate now, like an agile type of approach where yeah, we use agile approaches yeah. now. Yeah, um, and Scrum, uh, Scrum, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so we, we do Scrum, that same thing. Whatever. Like, I, I kind of have my own sort of way of doing it, which yeah. is a bit more sporadic. Yeah, but I like to. Well, my style of being a CEO is to always have a couple of silver bullets up my sleeve. Yeah, which is like I'll hit up. Uh, 
10 tier one companies, because I never know. Where right. one of those comes in, it like changes the whole direction yeah. of the business, right? Um, when uh, was the last time you did that? Uh, was that a recent? couple of weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, How did yeah, that go? That very well. Two, two went very well. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, this has been really good actually. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like those things will change the entire pitch, change yeah. the whole business. Yeah. Because now you're working with X or now you're doing something with X. Um, so, as a, all, all good CEOs should have like a couple of like, let's, who knows? Like, if this comes off, it's going to change everything for everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, one thing I always do is make an effort to talk to the customer. If a customer comes in, with a complaint about the product or anything wrong, I want to hear it firsthand. Right. Right. Um, and keeping an eye on the metrics and the data of the company uh, is really important. So, um, for example, app usage, website traffic, are our campaigns actually working? And understand that month in, month out, we need to make a two to five percent growth on those metrics. Yeah. Um, and if you see the curve going down, you you know that there's something going wrong, which is going to affect you in three to four months time. Right. So, um, so you essentially then pull a lever to obviously alleviate that or just accept it because you know that there's something yeah, pull, pull a lever or put a strategy in place to yeah. find out why that's going to happen or how we can mitigate it before it happens. Yeah. Um, so like I'd say 50% of my day is spent in um, like strategy, business strategy, um, finance and you know intellectual property stuff like that running business. Yeah. Um, and the other 50% I like to spend inside R&D. Um, so, you know, what's the next system that's going with the product, investigating competitive products, making roadmaps for that and working with our engineers to find solutions. So, nice. that's the good terms. Yeah, <laughs> well, you, 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 well you, you've, you've essentially segued into, I guess, one of the last, the last major question that I wanted to ask um, is, is obviously you are very much the talk of the town. Excuse, I mean, excuse the tagline, I need to plug the tagline. Um, yeah, literal tagline. Literal tagline, yeah. Very good as well. How are you going to continue to be the talk of the town? So by that I mean, what are you, as a CEO, as a, as a founder, as a leader, what's that, I guess, one strategic objective that you're continuing to employ beyond today to ensure your business stays cutting edge? Um, Let's just start with that, and then I'll, I'll unpack it a little bit more yeah. out of that. Um, so I guess being a hardware business in Australia, we're kind of flying the flag at the moment. There's not many hardware businesses in Australia, especially ones of this kind of like kind of magnitude. Yeah. Um, there's a fair few in deep tech and R and D, but consumer facing product, there's not many. Like off the top of my head, like Neuro, LifeX are two other fantastic ones that are out there. You hope to be like the third, yeah. but you know, three. That's that's not a lot. Right? Not a lot. And we're, we're taking on like Silicon Valley, right? Um, the I think as a business, we need to be a few steps ahead of um, what's going to be coming out in the United States, what's going to be coming out in Europe, um, doing uh, R&D into things that are like 24 to 48 months ahead now. Um, so we are ahead of the curve when we launch it. We actually want to be the first to launch it in the faster way. Right. So we know that bigger, bigger companies are going to spend you know, hundreds of millions of dollars over a 48 month period before they get to CES when they launch um, yes. some product. Yeah. Um, we want to be there first with an almost half-baked prototype, but stamping the flag um, for people to come up and see what we're doing. And I think that Australians do this especially well, is working really fast with like a low budget. So um, we have great grants here, we can keep ahead of the curve through R&D incentives, stuff like that. Um, but just being that like little bit more aggressive and a little bit faster and leaner than a US company, I think is what you can do in Australia for sure. Are you able to, uh, without obviously spoiling too much, uh, are you able to share a little bit about what's 
what's next? Like, is there, is there an evolution of the, the helmet, or is there something new coming? What, what, what can we expect from Foresight yeah, um, uh, in the short to medium and long term, I guess? So it's definitely not just about um, the mark, the mark lines of helmets. Yeah, so yeah. Um, investing in better display systems, yeah. like neuro display systems, um, computer vision systems that aren't uh, exactly in the helmet, but also in a bike, being able to um, communicate information or telematics better to a rider. So if there's someone coming up from behind you, you can know about it from the side of you, recording all that information really well and pointing that out um, to a motorcycle rider is going to be like the next big um, yeah, system. I was going to ask, so, is, is there a um, reflective component of your product already? Is there, is there data analytics and insights that you provide to riders at the moment? And will you continue to evolve that? In the future um, at, as well. At the moment, um, we, we just uh, like pull in data from a few local sources, like yeah. um, for example, Google and Waze and stuff. Of course. Um, the next stage is to allow riders to report their information, like um, if there's a down tree or something, they can use the handlebar controller um, to report it and yeah. get their voice for other riders. Yeah. Um, so that'll be available to the whole community, but like um, metrics to the rider is something that we want to do more of as well. Yeah. So um, imagine that. Uh, every time a rider has a hard braking moment, it leaves a little star on the map, and then we can see a heat map of where all these stars are, and then report to the RTA how those roads are quite dangerous. Yeah. Right. Um, taking in the, the surface of the road, so measuring potholes and uneven surfaces by motorcycle riders, you know, is is very useful information for for everyone. I think. Yeah, I think so. Without tracking their location or anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I mean, so yeah, you're you're obviously. Um, You've got it all mapped out. I think, is there anything, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty, uh, I guess, standard business question, yeah. but is there any advice or, or any insight that you would offer to someone who might have an idea that might be a little bit too fearful, that they have some fear about, you know, getting it out there or, or getting the ball rolling to start something up. Um, we really want the viewers to take away some nuggets of gold from you who's in this awesome position around how they might be able to actually forge their own path as an entrepreneur as well. Yeah, like I, I guess there's two big big pieces of advice, right? Um, the first one is if you're doing something um, uh, that you're not too passionate about and you're doing it kind of part-time to make more cash, it's not gonna grow it's not gonna grow into a an enormous business. You have to be in it full time, 100% dedicated. Yeah. And if you want to attract investors, you they have to believe that they're you're there protecting their money, making it grow every day, yeah. right? If you're not that, it, it's it's not going to work out. You're going to go into VC meetings and they're going to tell you sorry. Well, yeah, right? I mean, like, it, that's, it, that's it. it. Yeah, if you're doing something part-time, your, your, your part-time effort's going to show if, you, if you're in a situation where you're pitching to investors and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and like, um, you know, for the first, like, I'd say four years, I barely paid myself anything. Yeah. Right. Like I, I scrounging up a little bit of money for rent or whatever, and some settlement here and there. Yeah. Um, to get to the next stage, and I guess like what you do is you, you kind of have these mental sort of blocks where you go, I'm going to focus on this a hundred percent of my time for the next two months, and if it doesn't, if I don't get to this milestone. I'm going to quit it and I'm going to get another corporate job and just get the hell out of it. So you get some money, yes. And that thought in the back of your head, you get to the two month mark and something exciting happens and you're like, okay, I'll maybe give it another two months, another two months. Next thing you know, six years later. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> you know, here we are. Um, growing, growing the business to you know its first you know, 10 million revenue sort of thing. It's amazing. Um, so, so yeah, I guess if you've got to 
break everything into small chunks and dedicate yourself to so, that. So, so the approach yeah. that you take on a, on a, on a day-to-day throughout your business is essentially what you what you kind of do in life or when you Absolutely. go through some challenges as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there needs right. to be some, some parallels drawn. Time, time does its job. Like if you yeah. put the hours in day-to-day, yeah. you, don't, you don't see the results instantaneously, but over time, You'll yeah. see, you'll see the results. Yeah, right. Just like going to the gym, which I should do more of. <laughs> Listen, you don't have much time, okay? It's understandable. <laughs> now, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, um, hopefully, now that the business has obviously grown some legs and momentum, you can start to, to build in some capacity to do some stuff that you uh, might want to do as well. Yeah, know? yeah, for sure. I think I, I have you gone on a holiday at all lately? Uh, no, no, I haven't. No. Well, I don't think many people have. Yeah, I know. You've got, to, you've got to try and keep it within New yeah. South Wales or Australia. Maybe that's on the cards too. Yeah. No, but anyway, um, I think I think that's um, that's essentially uh, what I wanted to get out of today. Tenfold, you you kind of shared some stuff about your business, shared, shared some stuff about your mindset around the future, around some advice for you know potential budding entrepreneurs as well. So yeah. um, once again, thank you so much for having us. Um, I'll shake your hand again. The chance to sit down with you. Obviously, you do have a pretty hectic schedule, so really appreciate the time, mate. Um, yeah. Not a problem at all. And if you want to see a helmet, go to foresighthelmets.com. That, that's what I was going to say. You know what? One more question. I was going to say, where, where can the viewers find you? Where, where can they find you guys? Uh, we go to foresighthelmets.com, F O R C I T E. You get to see the product. They're currently sold out at the moment, but we're building a waiting list if you want to check them out. I'll drop some line. And you've got an Instagram page as well. Yeah, we've got an Instagram. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I link them in the video, some, some fancy way that you can put them into the, the, the video as well, so you guys can um, follow it. And uh, I'll also put them in the bio uh, for you guys to follow as well. Right, fantastic. Thanks.